Welcome to Homeschool Confessions. This is Lori. Last week, Eric and I started a conversation about math education, and we are going to finish it this week. It would develop the mind because that's ultimately the goal of the high school math student is that we want their minds to be developed. We want right. them to have to think about a problem and mull it over and try it multiple times and fail multiple times. So do you think it's fair then to say that as, as homeschool parents, especially those who, who um, implement the classical method of learning, would you say that it's fair that when we look at our children's math texts, their overwhelming anxiety about math um, is justified because there is too much, too much, like they're not like, okay, for example, um, uh, when I hand, when I hand my daughter her assignment and I say here, you know, here's your, here's your assignment for the day. You're going to do lesson 35. There's 30, 32 questions per lesson. And we're supposed to get through this big fat book in one year. But what happens is, oh, I see that you're struggling with this concept. So let's take some time because this is an important concept. You need to understand place value. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you and I both know that place value is extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's ex- also extremely important, right? Like here is right. something that we could actually tangibly point to the importance of just even in everyday life. Um, right. But... We're, we're looking at a book that has 111 lessons in it and, you know, TikTok basically is how we're feeling. Like, we also have to learn this. You have to learn this. You have to learn this. And it's, you start to get that panicky, we're so behind on math, we're so behind on math. I've never talked to another homeschool mom in my life who has not said, we're so behind on math. Because part of the beauty of homeschooling is that when your child is struggling with a concept, you're not going to push them through. You're going to work with them and you're going to say, Hey, let's like, we'll take as long as you need until you can, you can understand this. But that really doesn't pan out. If you're looking at, if you're looking at six years, seventh through, you know, 12th grade that you have a more intense mathematic approach um, than you did in the elementary years when it's the grammar of math and and it's very much more simplified, um, there's not enough time there to get through all of this material. You know what I'm saying? So like, like, are we justified then in saying, yes, this is done poorly for this reason. And we are free to change that. Yes. You're justified in saying it's done poorly because it is. Um, And you are free to change that. Um, Whether you're, qualified to change that I mean yes you're the parent so ultimately you are qualified to make those decisions for your child that's how I view education right that's Mm -hmm. what we talk about all the time is that us as parents we're important um we in those situations or like I was saying with looking at the table of contents of your daughter's math book is look at the lesson or the goal of the lesson and say, what is ultimately the goal of this lesson? Mm -hmm. Is the goal of this lesson that my child understand place value? Okay. Now, ultimately, if we had, if I had all the time in the world, okay, 
And I was sitting down with seventh graders and I was looking at a lesson and it was on place value. I'm not going to start that lesson by suddenly going off on place value. I'm going to start mm-hmm. the lesson with a question to the students. What do you guys think about place value? Have you ever heard the term before? Do you know what it is? Mm-hmm. What do you think it is? Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to have a conversation about this concept before we even start doing anything with it, right? right. And then we're going right. to take a lot of time to dive deep into place value and the concepts and where it came from. Oh, and which mathematician used place value first? Where does this whole idea of place value come from? Where does this number mm-hmm. system come from? Well, the ancient peoples, certain ones, um, I'm trying to think of who it was first, the Egyptians had a base 10 place value system. The Babylonians mm-hmm. have a base 60 place value systems. So like, where do these come from and why do we care, right? Sorry, did you just say the Mandalorians? <laughs> no, I did not. I said Babylon, Babylonians, okay, had a place value, had a 60 place value system. But I was starting the, to question like everything. Continue. But, but that's a lot easier to do with elementary school students. For one thing, okay, the idea of place value dives us into Babylon. It dives us into Egypt, right? And, um, mm-hmm. It also dives us into the decimal system. It mm-hmm. also can take you into reading a clock. You know where we get the clock from? You should know because you've been friends with me forever. It comes from the Babylonians. It's a base 60 system. How many minutes are in an hour? Right. So, like, the clock is a place value system, okay? And so you can get into clock reading using place value. You can get into um, base two where (laughs) my son actually was doing that recently. It's like fourth or fifth grade math where they're learning base two, which I didn't learn until high school, upper level high school, and then into college. And um, and I remember someone being like, why are we learning base two exactly at fourth grade? Uh, because it's fun. And because it it enforces the concept of place value. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but you could spend weeks on place value. And I think it's a disservice when we give a lesson on just base 10 and just what it looks like on paper. And then we move on to something else. Like, right. no, 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 no. Let's explore this. Let's really dive into it. So I don't know if maybe that's me saying you should be doing your elementary math as lap books. <laughs> but mm-hmm. the idea being that we really should take time on those concepts and we should just build off of those concepts for math. Now, it's easier to do at the elementary level. At the high school level, we don't know if the student sitting in front of us is going to become a biologist or a chemist or a engineer and as one of those three they really need to focus on different sections of math right Mm -hmm. but we don't know which ones it is so really our ultimate goal is just to expose them to all of these different ideas and then teach them how to be good problem solvers so that wherever they go they know how to approach a problem I don't know how to fix it I don't have a solution it bothers me and it probably bothers me way more than than most people who are like just use the Jacob's algebra book and be happy um, which I do. I use the Jacob's Algebra book and I'm happy and I love it. It's a good book, but I really, <laughs> I really want my kids to, to read the great ideas of the people who put this together so that we could study it years later. You know, it's just so incredibly interesting. But and there's something so hard about it. <laughs> right. But it's easy. It's easy to be like, I mean, I, I, I don't feel any pressure that my kids 
um, know and retain um, how to find the pH value of soil and what the microorganisms are that contribute to, you know, um, rot in coniferous trees. Like, I don't, I don't feel compelled, like, gosh, I really got to slam this information down their throats or they're never going to make it as an adult. But so, but I, and I'm content with being able to say, Hey, this year for, you know, um, the first semester of your school year, you're going to learn. I want you to be able to identify trees. I want you to know the biomes of the earth. I want you to understand your environment, what God has created around you. Why do we have these trees here, but we don't have palm trees? Like this, this is, this is a tangible, broad, non-specific way of really learn. You learn a lot that way. Right. And you, you can mm-hmm. feel secure at the end of the day, at the end of the year being like, yeah, my kids really learned a lot about trees. Now when we go hiking in the woods, they can identify the trees. Um, and they're going to remember that forever. They now know, you know, it's like you teach your kid what poison ivy looks like. And once they know, they know like it's, it's that simple. Um, and, and so we have this sort of peace and, and when our kid is hyper excited about it, then it's like, great, let's get more in depth and you can learn about the veins and the leaves and, and, and the, you know, what needs to be in the soil for this to happen and what, like you could, you could dive deeper, but, um, that to me is so simple, but in math, I just feel like we're missing that element. There's something right. that we're missing to be able to say this also is a beautiful thing that you can explore and you can go deeper or you can have a love for learning it where you're at with it. And, and I feel mm-hmm. like that's what we're missing. Um, it's wonder because it we're is missing unique. wonder. Yeah. We're missing wonder, which is really sad because it's there. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where it came from, you know? So the second, so your child can identify poison ivy, right? So you think of those mm-hmm. things. First of all, that's a very basic learning is being able to identify things. And we do that in math and we do that in nature and we do that in every other genre, right? right? So the difference between your example and ultimately what we're trying to do with our high school students and college students in life is that I want students who can identify poison ivy and then can say, hey, I wonder if I take that plant and I study it, if I could come up with an, a lotion that would neutralize the oils of poison ivy so that you won't have an allergic reaction to it when you touch it. Right. And then you have a child who then has to be able to say, I think that might be possible, but how do I proceed? Right. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to create that bridge so that these people, these adults, right, can look at that and say, Oh, I know enough about biology. I know enough about chemistry and mixing things. I know enough about math to apply the chemistry that I can actually start playing around with this problem that is that I have allergic reaction to poison ivy and fix it, right? And that takes a lot more abstract thinking than this is poison ivy. But they have to understand that that's what we're trying to do in mathematics is get them to think abstractly about problems that also ultimately don't exist they represent something that does exist but Mm -hmm. they ultimately in themselves do not exist right yeah that makes sense and I and I guess that is what's missing is is that we do such a good job 
presenting everything else to our kids. I mean, my kids will sit down and read, a, you know, look at a nature encyclopedia and be like, oh, mom, did you know that, you know, tamarack trees, um, they don't lose their needles, but they, they turn orange. Isn't that cool? I didn't tell them, hey, you really need to get your act together and learn about these trees um, because it's really important. And, and I want you to, you know, do all of this work for it. It's like they have a desire to learn. They're interested in learning and they want to share that knowledge. And, and yet they will, <laughs> nobody's sitting down and pulling out sex and seven, eight and being like, Hey, <laughs> did you know that when Janine went to the grocery store with 3750, <laughs> like, this is not happening. So <laughs> how do we go from there? And I think you're right. It really is a poor approach. We, we taught them, early on and and if we which you know you and I both i mean at various degrees have have really pursued classical methods of education since our children were young um and, and we did that i i think well with most every other topic i mean we know that like you identified for me several whatever several weeks or months ago that mastery is not regurgitation um that our kids can actually have a love for learning, even if they're learning something that's not really their cup of tea, you know? Um, but that, and because we've introduced them to a love of learning, we've, we've sat with them and, and looked at these books and, and found the, you know, found Roman roads fascinating and, and, you know, made a snack in the same way they would make a Roman roads. My kids remember that from first grade and they're just love that. And they tell people about that because whenever they see a book with, you know, during the Roman empire, they're like, Hey, we know about those roads. <laughs> and it's like, that's great. I, I mean, I don't think that they're necessarily going to go into, you know, the department of transportation, but <laughs> I mean, we've, we've successfully introduced them to a love of learning that there is that the God created this amazing world and, and there's so much to learn and there's ingenuity and there's, you know, there's Archimedes and, and they loved that story, Archimedes and the door to science. I mean, it's like, that was fascinating to them. Um, but then math comes and we just hit a wall <laughs> and then we're suddenly like, then we're suddenly like, Oh, here's, here's some dr dry worksheets <laughs> that you're going to cry about <laughs> next four years <laughs> right that's true well yeah and so that's a problem right and and on one level you're still very heavy in the elementary phase and and um, I'm more in the middle and high school phase and I I look at it and I go yeah you know I don't know if my older kids have as much wonder and discovery in their high school subjects regardless mm -hmm. of if it's math or not right because they are right. starting to study the behind the scenes stuff Right. They're studying the cell in biology, which biology is, is not, like I said, not my, my cup of tea or my forte, but mm -hmm. I still find it fascinating when my son says to me, hey, come check out what's underneath my microscope. And then I'm looking at it and I'm going, what am I looking at? <laughs> right. And he's like, well, this is the mold fungus that was growing around my planarians. Apparently in my house now, worms are called planarians. Um, <laughs> because I think that's the group that they come from or something. But I was just like, well, wow, that's gross. Do we need to be concerned that that's in our house? <laughs> <laughs> right. 
that you're growing this, you know, but like I'm genuinely interested in what he's learning and I also want to see it, but he's got that, there's a little bit of that wonder still in there, right? Because he's had the freedom to look at it that way. And there's so many things with math that, that we can present a problem to our child that they actually legitimately have and then Mm -hmm. just stop and let them figure it out. Like a hard problem, not an easy problem, like a hard problem, you know, and just be like, oh, you know what would have made this problem easier for you is if you had truly understood how to count things by groups. Mm-hmm. Or if you had truly understood how to do, um, what is my son doing now? He's doing combinations and number theory. So like combinations, like if we were arranging things on a shelf, what are the different ways we could do it? And how do we know that this is the way to do it or whatever? Like, then you can branch off into the, the underlying language behind that problem, right? So that right. they look at it and go, oh, wow, that would have been so much easier for me to do it that way than to do it this right. other way, right? But yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's just so many cool things that we can learn as students in all, all subjects, which are all entwined, right? Philosophy is its own subject in high school and in college. And you read the great literature of the philosophers and you read the scientists and you read the mathematicians and you read, you know, the um, history of the world and you look at it and you go, well, wait a minute, if I'm reading, if I'm reading, uh, what is this guy I'm reading right now? Nicomachus. If I'm reading Nicomachus in math, then is that not history as well? Well, is, how right. is that not, you know, a great literature thing? Or if I'm, if I debate a concept he comes up with, with people, um, how is that not debate? Well, it is. It is all of those things. And that's ultimately what learning is, right? Is studying more and more about creation and what God has done through these different people who've come before us. Whether it looks like math or not, if we go back to the goal and the focus is supposed to be on the development of the human as a person who is made in the image of God, who reflects his creator, who has reasoning skills and can solve problems and can apply his reasoning skills to the underlying language behind the problem so that he can come up with a solution. Like that's huge. That's, right. that's a lot. That's a huge undertaking. We cannot possibly do all of that in 12 years. Right. right. And we're not supposed to, you know? And yeah, exactly. And there are certain things that, I mean, well, our children are different than we are. I mean, like, <laughs> You know, my daughter, she really, she loathes, loathes math to a degree that really is quite astounding. And, um, I mean, I try to get excited. I'm like, look, oh, you're doing, you're doing, um, square roots. Look how fun, how fun and simple this concept is. Oh, I did it again. Oh, I did it again. And I'm doing this to her. She's like, yeah, no, <laughs> I still don't want to do that. And I'm like, uh, yeah, but you have to do this. And, and sometimes I think what's what's lacking is that I can't tell her why she has to do this. And it was like um, shortly before Christmas break, Cecil, who is seven, who claims he hates math, um, but does it well. <laughs> and he... Yeah, he his his daily lessons are usually two or three pages. And it's really I mean, it's elementary math. So it's you know, it's quite basic. 
And there are things that he likes to do and things that he hates. Like, you know, he, he consistently rolls his eyes and goes, oh, I hate takeaways. He does not want to subtract, but he can do it well, you know. Um, but he had completed his math assignment in record time. I would say safely say this is record time, I think, for most people in general. And I was like, wow. That was really good. And I'm looking and I'm like, oh, it's so nice and neat. And then I look closer and I'm like, what's going on here? What did, what did you do? And he goes, I just rounded all the numbers. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> and I was like, did they tell you to round the numbers? And he's like, no. He's like, but see, remember when we learned how to round, they said it was easier to round. <laughs> I'm like, Yes, they did say that. <laughs> yes, they did teach you to round because it is easier to add two large numbers together when you round. But you also have to know how to add the individual numbers to be accurate. And he was just like, well, that was stupid. That that was stupid. <laughs> now I have to redo all my math. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> you know, there are times where it's easy and it's like, this is great. And then there's times where you have to erase it and do it all over again. <laughs> that's hilarious okay so <laughs> we're running out of time and this has become a complete math that is conversation so which surprising is, <laughs> i know every week i'm like we're running out of time you're like i can't believe it um so if i have a student like one of my children um and he applies the concept of rounding like he's like oh they said it would make my problem my life easier if i rounded it he rounded all his numbers mm-hmm. and um and then he uh, he did the subtraction or whatever, and he got the right answer. If he rounded correctly and he got the correct answer based on his rounding, mm-hmm. I would be like, that's really good. I'm going to just congratulate you on applying the skills that you've been learning in the past. That's really wise. <laughs> because <laughs> that's really that's, wise and loving. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, and it's one of those things where it's like, well, we taught him to do that. So why wouldn't he apply it? Like, that's great, right. dude. Like, we want you to think about these problems and to solve these problems. And if your brain connected that you could round, then go ahead and round. Now, why we teach our children how to round, I'm not so sure. I don't... I, I know don't why. Because I round in the grocery store every day of All my the life. Time. Yeah. So now you just need to know what you do is then tomorrow's math, you would write at the instructions without rounding. Right. Instructions. Right. Then he would know, right. oh, I'm not allowed around here. <laughs> Which makes sense. Because sometimes the bigger <laughs> lesson is you really struggle with following directions. <laughs> I mean, right. I, I remember when my other son had finished his math again. It was quite quick considering he didn't particularly understand a lot of it. And we had been working through it together because I'm done. And I don't remember what it was exactly, but somehow what he had done is just drawn lines connecting the problems to the previous, when they had introduced them. Like they gave the same answers. You know what I'm saying? They're like, here's our example. And they did it for them. Now you try it with the same numbers. And he just drew lines over to the answer. (laughs) And I was like, well, (laughs) I guess they're dumb. For having done yeah, that to you, they placed temptation in front of you. <laughs> that was stupid. Yeah, but the real funny. lesson of the day is that you need to follow directions. That's the lesson. So right. that someday in, in life, when your directions are, you, 
yeah, it, as long as they're clear. But at the same time, it's like, you know, you're going to, if, if I continue to allow them to just experience wonder in mathematics in that capacity, they're going to grow up and get married and their wife is going to be like, oh, I need this, you know, life-saving medication. It's on the third shelf in the white cabinet. And they're going to be like, I looked in the brown cabinet on the bottom shelf. <laughs> no, <Right>. no. <laughs> All directions. Well, and that's what word problems are for is to, you need to pay attention to the details and you need to follow the directions. And that's a big piece of it, right? Like you need to follow directions. If you're an adult and you're trying to figure out, you know, back to the poison ivy example, and you're trying to figure out something that's going to neutralize poison ivy and you're working in a lab, you have to be very exact and you have to follow directions very exactly or it's not going to work, right? It's it's not going to work. We have to learn how to follow directions. For my older son who really struggles with math, we look at the math lesson. We talk about it. He attends one of my classes, of course. But we look at what the goal of the, cl- of the lesson is, and we focus on making sure that we can meet that goal. Okay. And if that means he has to do all the problems, he has to do all the problems. If that means he only has to do the problems that really pertain to that goal, because he's doing, he's doing the weird prodigy math text where it's like, oh, you know what? Let's do an easy example. Oh, and now we're going to give you a really hard one to try on your own. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's intense, but he is learning to think like a mathematician, which is what's so great. He's learning how to analyze problems and to really play with them in that same area. It's not his strongest suit. And so I look at it and say, you know what, if you can explain to me how to do these four problems out of this problem set, then, mm-hmm. and you do them and you can explain, explain it to me as well, because we want to get into that skill of rhetoric where they're not just able to to be a machine. I don't want a student who can look at a math problem and as a machine, give me the answer. I don't care about that. I want him to be able to think about the problem, explore the problem, get the right answer, and then explain to me what he did, right? I want all of the facets in the one problem. So if, if we can do four problems and he does all four of them like that, then that's mm-hmm. a win and we move on. You know, like he's doing great. Right. right. Yep. I think a lot of parents need to hear that myself. Well, they just did. They just did unless you edit it out. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Because we do not have to be slaves. Because a lot of us don't recognize that something is poorly done. I mean, people who are not inclined to mathematics, we don't open a a math book and go, this is poorly done. I mean, we don't know that. And so... You, you end up being a slave to your curriculum, thinking, well, because I, don't, I didn't do well in math, I just need to trust that they know what they're doing. And, and, and then, you know, the years are spent being miserable, trying to walk your child through something that, you know, you have a poor understanding of. And it, it's just a vicious cycle. Right. So it's really helpful. Well, and to, sometimes, go ahead, sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say it's really helpful to know that. Yeah. Well, and sometimes, and this is the last thing I say, I promise, and then, and then we'll be done or you can say something. Um, sometimes we just need to step back and say, like, oh, my child is actually not mature enough for this problem yet. Because right. there is a jump, right? We go from what you described at the beginning of our discussion about when I was talking about philosophy and arithmetic, um, how we jump from arithmetic and numbers and adding and subtracting, which most people would say, oh, that's a really, that's a really um, concrete thing. My first grader can do it, yada, yada, yada. It's really not a concrete thing, but okay, you know, I'll give mm-hmm. it to you. 
Um, but we jump from something our child can use, you know, blocks with or manipulatives or coins with into things that don't exist in their own right, right? Mm-hmm. They exist to represent something else that does exist into a right. very abstract, abstract world. It's like they're diving into, you know, um, a fantasy world, okay? Mm-hmm. And we, some kids are just not ready. They're not ready to do right. that, right? They're, their brains haven't developed enough to really fully understand that there is another realm to the world that we're living in. It's not just mm-hmm. the physical world. There's mm-hmm. things that are holding the physical world together, which you can't see with your eyes or touch with your hands. And so they're not ready for it. And, you know, you can back off. You can learn a lot of math if you're maturely ready for it. I don't know if maturely is even a word. It's not. If you're ready for it in a short amount of time, and mm-hmm. as long as you're not handicapped by fear and terror, because for years you tried it and couldn't get it. Right. Right. That makes sense. Anyway, makes that's sense. totally, I was thinking we would talk about something else today. I just wanted to share what I was reading. This I'm week. really sorry about that. <laughs> that's okay. I'm, it's really interesting. I don't know. I, I love talking about math, but now I'm like, oh my word, I need to like go read more ancient mathematicians and I need to figure out how to get my kids to read them and really understand them and even just be exposed to them because that's our job, right? Is I just want my kids to be exposed to these great ideas so that we can talk about them. And then as they get older, if they want to read them, they can, you know, if they want to really dive into it deeper, they can, they know that they exist. They know that they're there. 